0: Welcome to my podcast, Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond. It's your host, Dr. Vignesh Tevaraj. Today, we are going to talk about anxiety, fear and immunity. The top three things that the whole world is facing and what coronavirus is teaching us. In fact, what coronavirus is teaching us is to deal with three things, that is anxiety, fear and immunity. So we will look at it from the Ayurvedic perspective and also some of the Aspects through how we can find an antidote to these three things with wisdom. First of all, why do we have fear? Because anxiety is a part of fear, but only difference is fear is something that you see in now, in this moment, whereas anxiety is something that we use our imagination to anticipate something could be dangerous in the future. Now, both are aspects of fear. But the term fear is more about some danger that is happening right now and you need to be prepared. First of all, do we need fear in the first place? We have fear as an inbuilt guidance in our body, just like the way the GPS you put a destination that you need to go, and if you are not able to reach there and if you divert yourself, the GPS is going to tell you the way you are going is wrong, you need to turn right or you take a U turn or the direction needs to be changed completely. The same is with the message that the fear is giving us. Like the statement, don't kill the messenger just because you don't like the message. If you see all the great civilizations, emperors, kings, dictators, kingdoms, they all started collapsing the time they stopped listening to the real message that the messenger is coming and giving. Usually what happens, once the kings or the emperors, they've started believing, there is nothing that can happen. I can go. I can never go wrong. And once they started feeling, I am invincible. And at that time, if some messenger comes and gives them a message that they don't like, they just don't want to listen. They Rather, what they do is they will punish the messenger for giving such a message or they would just kill the messenger. And we need to understand what exactly is the message that fear is giving us. There is only one message fear is giving us. That is, be prepared. And if we are not preparing... We make our nervous system half-efficient and our whole energy in the body becomes less. And that is when our immunity is going to be affected. Our brain is a 200,000-year-old programmed mechanism on how to deal with fear. 200,000 years ago, when our brain was being evolved by nature, the, the most important function of the brain even today is survival. When we say survival, it is looking for potential danger. The moment the brain sees a potential danger or if it sees a danger, immediately a hormone called cortisol is released in our body and our body needs to escape, survive or protect ourselves. I- imagine you see a tiger running after you, the next thing that we will do is we, we need to run and chase and when we are running and chasing, the, the cortisol is being released by the brain so that all our energy is on our legs and hands so that we can survive and escape. At that time, we are least bothered, should I fight this bacteria that is in my leg or in some parts of the body? Which means our immunity is highly compromised when the cortisol is being released. That is why when you are constantly under fear or stress, that's when our immune system is also going down. So, a fearful man has less immunity and a relaxed person has a much better immune system. Now, let us understand anxiety in another way. In Ayurveda, anxiety is correlated as extreme vata, vata in a negative way. Of course, high vata happens in two reasons, like vata can increase when you're excited about something and vata can also increase when you're anxious about something. The difference in excitement and anxiety is, in excitement, you are using your creative imagination in something that is beautiful. Something you see is going to solve a problem. Whereas the same creative imagination, if you are using for some self-destructive mechanism or something that is not true, that is what is called as anxiety. Anxiety is using your imagination in a self-destructive way. And creativity is using your imagination in something that is beautiful. You are able to solve the problem. The greatest antidote known to humanity for anxiety is faith. And what faith do we need? We need to understand. The moment you are alive as a human being, there is one factory settings in our body. And that is, we are designed to survive any kind of crisis. No matter how severe the crisis is, our forefathers, ancestors, the nature, It has designed ourselves in such a way that no matter what the severity of the crisis is, we will overcome that. And for that, we need to trust in us. And that is why we say, faith is the greatest antidote for a negatively imbalanced or high vata. And this faith is what brings us grounded. That is where the kapha is. We feel like stone. No matter what happens, I will overcome this. Now, you take any kind of crisis that has happened in the past. You take SARS, you take H1B1, you take Ebola, you take plague, you take smallpox, you take leprosy, you take Spanish flu, all of these things, you know, we have survived and overcome and we have created a humanity that is so beautiful. And today, we are having more anxiety because we started taking so many things for granted. For example, the freedom of movement. I mean, freedom of movement is so taken for granted, just six to seven decades ago, if I have to travel from India to northern part of America, you need to get on a ship and you don't know if you will reach in less than nine months or ten months. And on top of that, you're not even sure whether you will reach. And if it's one or two centuries ago, if you board a ship, you don't know if you'll reach the destination because you might end up dying with scurvy. So things were so uncertain at that time, but that time people were okay. We never took so many things for granted and today we are so upset when we are on a flight 30,000 feet above, we are upset that the internet is not working there. And today you just can travel to another continent like from Asia to North America in less than 16 hours without a good connecting flight, with a good connection, you reach in less than 16 hours. How beautiful is that? And the fact that we are used to such fantastic technological development that made so many things beautiful, so many things comfortable, our anxiety has gone over the roof because we are not able to understand, oh my God, what has happened? Because our nervous system was so trained, this is your comfort level. Our comfort level has been raised to a completely next level than the rest of the history that we we saw what humanity could enjoy. And we have to understand... Comfort and happiness are not the same. You can be happy and comfortable, but there is no guarantee that if you are comfortable, you can be happy. Happiness is all about the meaning you are giving to every experience that you are going through. For example, let's say you are in a very good state of mind, you are excited, you are happy, even if the things are, the problem that you are facing is really big, you find creative ways to get through it but if your energy or your emotions are low let's say you are in a fearful angry state of mood even if a small problem arises in front of you you can be hyper reactive and you can find it oh my god this is not helping me and things are coming to an end this coronavirus is going to kill all of us and i don't know what is going to happen so what we have to understand is we need to practice being in a state that is very high in our energy, which is in a very good emotions. People who are in a happy state are able to solve the problems much easier, faster, quicker and more efficiently than people who are constantly under the fear mode or stress mode or frustrated. Of course, fear is important. But if we convert the fear into anxiety, then our ability to solve the problem is not helping. But if the fear is telling, I need to prepare, I need to do something to act on it, And i need to look at the facts the way it is then we are able to overcome that now let us take some facts just two years ago one of the statistics about deaths that was happening around the world about 50 million people die every year and of course the population is more than ever it's more than 7 billion so 50 million people die every day no sorry every year and in that 20 million, less than 20 million people die just because of cardiovascular diseases and less than 10 million people die just because of cancer and about 5 million people approximately die because of respiratory diseases and not to mention every day 3000 people die because of smoking habit which leads to cancer or respiratory problems or other issues that is related with smoking. Which means, a cigarette company has to find 3000 new people every day to sustain their business. And we are so concerned about a virus that is giving a mortality rate less. But however, why we are panicking so much is because this virus spread is much faster than a normal flu. So if this could spread at such a fast pace that we could not see before. We don't have the enough respirators and the emergency facilities to deal with that and because of this problem there is a two groups of people in the planet debating the situation the first group that is so invested on the economic situation when they see that so many companies are going bankrupt jobs are being lost companies are laying off people we don't know when the next revenue possibilities are going to come there is a lot of tr- trust issues when this business if this business can survive in the f- first place we don't know when the aviation will come back we don't know if the freedom of movement will come back to which we were so blessed in humanity looking at the gravity of this economic disparity and the financial distress the human the whole world is going through they say that if we use money intelligently and if we could invest in getting enough respirators and putting the the right medical facilities the risk people, the high risk people, like if 100 people catch this coronavirus, according to the statistics, less than 20% or less than 5% will be under the fatality rate. I mean, they could die. Another 15%, they could have serious symptoms and 80% of the people who catch this virus could be asymptomatic or just have a common cold or flu-like symptom. So looking at such a huge majority, will be going through just a mild flu-like symptom. We are going through such a pain just for the high-risk people. And they say that if we could use this money and uh, invest our uh, ideas in the right places with the right energy, we could save them by quarantining them and making sure they get the adequate facilities to recover. Fine, that is one thing because their priority is economic revival. And there is another group of people saying economic Recession will come and go no matter, finance issues will come and go. We can revive the economic situation, but lives matter the first. And of course, lives matter the most, because if you lose your life, that's it, there's no coming back. But money, issues that are happening with financial distress, economic problems, we can revive it back. And if you look at the economics, whether there is a virus outbreak or not, an economic recession kept coming after a regular interval. And that's how the nature is. Nature doesn't stick to one single pattern. It always changes. It doesn't like energy being stuck in one place. And nature doesn't go through a pattern that is linear mode. It has a completely irregular mode. It wants to make sure the energy is being spread throughout. Wherever it sees that the energy is being stuck, nature will go to dissolve it, break it and make sure the flow of energy is always neutralized. And that's the law of nature. And what can we understand from this? First thing we need to understand, the possibility of a mortality rate because of coronavirus is very less. And that is why we go on to the extent of social distancing and self-isolation or self-quarantine because that helps us to reduce the spread of this virus. If you are not having any history of extreme pneumonia or asthma, even if you have that, the possibilities of death is very less because we have extraordinary intensive care supports today. And that is why by reducing the social distancing and uh, self isolation, we will have the enough support system for people who are under risk. So, our worst fear that there is no cure for this coronavirus. First of all, there is no cure for much of the virus or a flu. We have the greatest medical advancements today. We have, uh, we can do a transplantation of the liver, including heart, kidneys, but we don't have a uh, pill for a common cold or a flu. The reason is, our body has such a fantastic immune system And the reason why we have cough or running nose or fever, it is the body's intelligence healing therapy to get rid of something the body doesn't want. According to Ayurveda, the more toxic buildup you have, you become a safe heaven for the microbial contamination. And the purpose of microbes is to disintegrate and release the toxins in your body. So when people say somebody died of coronavirus, That is not the real truth. The real truth, if they rephrase it and said that, that person who was positive with coronavirus had a very terrible immune system. Their lifestyle was not good enough. They were not taking adequate healthy habits and enough self-care of themselves. That allowed the triggering factor called as coronavirus to trigger them. And that really led them to death. If they said it that way, it would have made a huge impact and a huge difference. Like... We can call th- call it this way, a bacteria created an infection in a person, so we have to kill the bacteria or the immune system in that person was so weak that a weak bacteria could attack that person so badly, so the problem was he was not really taking care of the immune system. And pharmaceutical company would not like to say that it is the low immunity and the low Healthcare habits that that person was going through that is the real cause. Instead, they would just like to call it it's a bacteria that caused so they could sell their antibiotic or something that will kill the microbe. And that is exactly what is happening today. We are told we are completely at the mercy of this virus. And why, if we are completely at the mercy of the virus, why only less than 3 percentage are completely at the risk of death? What about the 80 percent who has just mild? symptoms are completely asymptomatic, which means people whose immune system are fantastic, they don't have to really worry about it. And only thing that they need to do is, they could have the virus, even though they don't have any symptoms or problems with the virus, they could go and spread it to the people who are at high risk. So, instead of saying coronavirus can create this death, rather they said, if your immune system is weak, you are completely at the risk of not just a coronavirus, it could be any microbe. And let us repeat the story of Louis Pasteur, who came up with the ideology called germ theory. He said, germ is the cause of a disease. And how did he come to know that during his times, whenever people were suffering from infectious disease, he would take the body fluid samples and check it and it had lots of microbes. And he realized, Whoever is sick with an infectious disease, their body fluids are having microbes. So microbes are the cause of the disease. So the only way I can make a person recover from the disease is to kill the microbes. And that is why we came up with the idea of antibiotic or just antiviral therapies. And today, if you want to kill the virus in your body, killing the virus is like burning the house just because you want to kill a rat. And that's not the right way to do that. Our body has this immune system to getting rid of these microbes. Now let us understand this Louis Pasteur story in another way. Imagine there is a place and a lot of waste is being dumped and people who are supposed to collect the waste and recycle it, they say we are not able to do that because we need more benefits and we are going on a strike till we get the better benefits. So all the waste starts piling up and when the waste starts piling up, it will start attract lot of rodents or rats. These rats will come and eat this waste and it will start distributing the leftover waste around the city. And imagine a new tourist is coming to the city. He sees that, oh my God, look at all the waste these rats are bringing. So the only way I can kill these, only by killing these rats, I can save the pollution that is happening in the city. So it's like We are calling the rats as the cause of the pollution. We are not calling the waste that is being piled up as the real cause. Rat is only a triggering factor. The same is with this coronavirus. This coronavirus is the triggering factor for people whose immune system is really weak. And that does not mean that, okay, if my immunity is great, I should avoid, I, I can go and do what I want. But in order to protect the people whose immune system is weak, The strong has to do that. And it is important we do that. However, this is the time the coronavirus is teaching us. If you don't have good immunity, you are completely at the mercy of some world event that could come and get you. But if your immunity is strong, that is one thing that actually we can control. We cannot control the weather. But I can control if I should wear the right dress. Should I carry an umbrella or should I wear the right jacket? The same with this pandemic that is happening. This is the best time to invest in your life. My health is my priority. And when I say my health is my priority, my immunity is my greatest asset. So according to Ayurveda, what are the steps that make sure your immunity is getting better? In my previous episode, I spoke about sleep, I spoke about eating on time, I spoke about eating less, I spoke about eating healthy. I will repeat this and then go into little more further aspects of immune system. Sleep is such a underrated habit in today because today we are all are told you have to be a high performer, you have to be a peak performer, you have to get things done and if you are sleeping, you are lazy. Our body does not function like a robot or a machine. After Edison invented Bulb, we are trained to work for three shifts. And this is not the way our body was designed by nature. Our body is designed to go to sleep at night and to wake up fresh in the morning. And if you are tired in the morning and very awake at night, that means your body's biological clock, understanding with the (coughs) alignment with the earth's magnetic field it is not correct so we have to understand sleep is such a important habit that is going to be the foundation of great immune system now when we say how much hours of sleep do i need to get every night is it just eight hours or ten hours or six hours more than how much number of sleep you get, also going to bed at a particular time is so important. For example, let's say that 8 hours is the good number of hours that you need for sleep. Let's say you go to sleep at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the morning. Even if you get 10 hours of sleep, if you get up during the daytime, you are going to feel tired and weak and heavy. On the other hand, you go to sleep at 10, 30 or 11, even if you get up after 5 to 6 hours of good sleep you get up with a lot of good energy. Why is that? Because going to sleep at that midnight time between 11 and 5 is so particular and crucial because we are aligned to the earth's magnetic field. And if we can get into deep sleep at this time, that will be one of the most powerful healthy habits you can have to boost your immune system and also your vitality. What happens during sleep is your blood is purified A fantastic way, and especially if you go to sleep at midnight, which is like after 10 30 or 11, and then till 5 o'clock, this period the liver's ability to purify your blood is very good. So, we have to make sure our sleep is very good, especially at the night time. So, always program yourself that instead of figuring out uh, I have to get up on time, let us focus on I have to go to sleep on time, and if you put this It will make a huge difference in your immune system now how to go to sleep on time your body has to be physically tired to get a good sleep which means you have to do good rigorous movements or exercises to make sure you get a good sleep when you are tired your sleep becomes effortless and when your body is not moving you find it difficult to fall asleep so today we see a lot of exercises in online how to do exercise at your own home, even if you just have few meters or few square feet by yourself, and if you have a yoga mat, even if you don't have a gym or a treadmill or weights to lift, there are so many fantastic exercises that you can do, like cardio, like sit-ups, push-ups. You have fantastic yoga techniques, Surya Namaskar, sun salutations, various sequences you can do at your own home, at your own pace. And this movement is so important for your good sleep. And people who exercise live longer, exercise is a great blood thinner, exercise is a great rejuvenator and exercise is a great aphrodisiac. So exercise should become a part of our life, just like the way we get up, brush our teeth and take a shower. Exercise is a shower and cleansing our blood. And this makes our nervous system more alert and more smart and our immune system gets an upgrade. That is why good sleep at night, and good exercise every day. These two are foundations that cannot be replaced by, no matter how good healthcare facilities you have in your place. But these two are the foundation of fantastic vitality and longevity. And then again, we go to the food. How much food should we eat? There is a saying, if you, want, if you love to eat, eat little so you live long enough to eat a lot. According to many researchers, People who eat little are having better energy than people who overeat. Overeating is a very terrible habit, especially if you are having overweight and conditions of overnutrition such as diabetes, high cholesterol, high uric acid and obesity. And if you are having these kind of issues, this is the best time to practice eat less. And also if you do that today with the fact that Even though essential services are available around the world, but even then, we don't know when scarcity could happen. So eating less, on one hand, you are helping others who are deprived of food also get their share. And second thing, you are also boosting your health and vitality. Nobody died of eating less and nobody were guilty for eating less. After you have your food, if you feel energetic, if you felt light, that means the dosage of the food you are eating is good. And always choose nature made food rather than plastic wrapped man made food. The nature made food will help to process and give you more energy than a processed, artificially processed food. Maybe artificially processed food is fantastic for your gastronomic purpose, maybe it is fantastic for your craving, but not for your hunger. The difference between craving and hunger is hunger is for your body's energy's requirement. And craving is for your entertainment and it is natural our tongue is a great place for entertainment depending on the food our many emotions can come up but this is a great time to reset if I am having such cravings this is the time I can change that a person who is able to regulate their eating habits can regulate their life this these are some of the spiritual teachings in Vedic lessons that you can read so this is a great time to practice eating less And like in the previous episode, we spoke about what is the right way to eat. Is it should I eat on time or should I eat when I am hungry? According to Ayurveda, you should train your body and your lifestyle in such a way that you are hungry on time. And once you are hungry on time and then when you eat on time and then you plan it in such a way that you are hungry before the next meal. That is such a profound way to bring back or resetting your metabolism when you reset your metabolism your immunity is great so this is another thing always schedule your eating habits especially now that we are at home we don't have great meetings that we need to run we don't have a flight to catch we are at home most of the meetings could happen via online or many different things so this is a great time to practice that and once you train your body to be hungry on time you have nailed one of the most important foundations of extraordinary metabolism so this is one of the factors that you need to focus on and if you say that i'm not getting hungry go for a fasting maybe instead of having heavy meals go for a liquid diet go for a soup go for a juice detox or just hot water and by skipping some meals by doing that your hunger will come back so bringing back the hunger and regulating your hunger is a sign that your digestion and metabolism is coming back to life So this has to be practiced right now and avoid late night binge eating. The more you eat later the night, lesser your efficiency of the body to digest because soon after we have a late night dinner, first of all, our digestion is at its weak during the night time after the sunset. Okay, I come from Kerala, here the it's a tropical climate, here the sunrise and sunset always happens between 6.15 and 6.30 and in the evening 6.15 and 6.45. But in different parts of uh, northern hemisphere, the sunrise and sunset could change depending on the c- uh, seasons. But what we have to understand is, after 6 o'clock and before... 9 o'clock, if you could have before 8.30, that will be one of the best times to have dinner. And try to go to sleep. You need to have a gap of 2 to 3 hours between your meal and your sleep. If you can program your sleep before 11 o'clock and make sure you have your dinner before 8 o'clock, that is such a fantastic way to improve your digestion, your bowel movements, your acidity issues, gastric problems, bloating, all of this will change. And learn to chew well, chew like a cow, don't overeat. don't binge eat, don't eat super fast like you are always on the edge of catching a firefighting uh, truck. Eat slow, enjoy the meal like every morsel you chew like a cow, like ev- enjoy the taste, appreciate the taste that is coming. That way your digestive acids and the juices and the enzymes are released and that way you digest better. In Ayurveda there is a profound beautiful statement. It is not what you eat that matters, it is how you digest that matters. Of course, what you eat also uh, impacts your digestion. But moreover, if your digestion is good, even if you eat something unhealthy for some time, your body can handle it and digest it. But if your digestion is very weak, no matter how healthy the food is, it is not necessary that you will digest it well. So, these are the steps to improve your digestion and metabolism. I will repeat that again eat less. Avoid overeating. Train your body in such a way that you are hungry on time and then you eat little so that by the time you are having the next meal, you become hungry again. And then avoid late night dinners. Try to finish your dinner before 8 o'clock and make sure you have a 2 to 3 hours of gap before you go to sleep. And once you follow this, a heavy good digestion is the foundation of great metabolism. Once your metabolism is good, That way, your whole immune system goes up. So this is how the foundation of all of this is. Next, we talk about other aspects of immunity. Today, like we are so fanatically obsessed with washing hands and keeping at least one or two meters distance from another person, we also need to focus on the hygiene factors of our own inner organs. Like we wash our hands, we also need to make sure, because by washing hands, we are helping the hands to get rid of the dirt and also the germs, including the virus. And this coronavirus, it is a virus that could impact on the respiratory organs. And from where do these germs get into our respiratory organs? It is usually through the nasopharyngeal outlet or through the throat. For example, if your throat is dry, this virus or germs could get stuck and slowly it could enter your respiratory tract and then it could lead to cough because cough is the way the respiratory tract is getting rid of this virus or germs it doesn't want. The reason why smokers cough is because when they keep on smoking, it creates a lot of nicotine and tar that enters the respiratory organs and this is like in response to protect the respiratory organs our body creates a lot of phlegm or mucus. So this acts like a protection mechanism. And then when you cuff, you're helping the body in getting rid of this mucus. So in order to avoid that, if you have the habit of smoking, please, this is the best time to getting rid of smoking. There are many techniques where you can learn how to getting rid of smoking. And it's only a need somewhere. Many people say when they smoke, they are able to relax. And if they are able to relax, they don't need to smoke. It's a pattern the body has trained, the nervous system is in an autopilot mode. By smoking, I am I'm able to help getting rid of some of my stress. So, understanding how the, the throat and the nasopharyngeal outlet hygiene can be. One technique is, every morning when you get up, prepare warm water. It could be hot, but not so hot that it burns you. Warm water with some pinch of salt and maybe a little bit of ginger if you boil it and make it into lukewarm it's to such an extent that you feel comfortable in your throat with that heat and when you gargle for half a minute to one minute this is such a great technique to protect yourself from some of the germs that could infect you so gargling in ayurveda is considered to be part of daily ritual when you do the gargling it not only helps improve your voice it also helps you get rid of the mucus that could be stuck and all the germs that could be stuck there because the curve in the throat, especially if you had the history of tonsillitis, if you keep getting sore throat in all such conditions and especially if you eat a lot of sugar at night, if you can do gargling with warm water, with salt and ginger, it can really, it's like how important is washing hands? The same is with the gargling for the throat that way you are helping the body to getting rid of the germs in your throat by how if there are germs in your throat when you do gargling it will enter your gastrointestinal tract and there it is full of acid enzymes that will kill it it's like there is a robber and outside the home where the robber is it's full of police with sniper guns or lot of guns Immediately, the robber comes out of the home, he is killed at no time. The same is with the germs that are stuck in your throat. When we gargle it and let it not stuck there, when it enters our gastrointestinal tract, especially in our stomach acid juices, will kill it immediately. So gargling has to become, not just when you have sore throat or when you feel some throat irritation, it has to become a daily ritual. Just like the way you do brushing your teeth, get into the habit of gargling with warm water. This is a great therapy. Another technique, avoid all cold beverages, especially water with a lot of ice cubes. Get rid of all the cold beverages starting from your refrigerator and train yourself to keep drinking warm water or hot water. And this way, this also helps getting rid of the mucus in your throat region and also for anywhere else in the body. Because cold water helps the body to store mucus. And it clogs the vessels in our body. Rather warm water, it helps to open up the vessels, helps the body to dissolve the mucus and protects our body. And avoid all cold beverages and cold frozen food as well. Make sure you get into the habit of warm food. Especially during this time, especially if you are living in a cold climate, get into the habit of warm food. This helps the body to dissolve all the clogging that is happening in the body. Some of the Ayurvedic spices that can be used today to getting rid of the mucus in the body. First of all, we need to understand mucus is a result of the body to protect ourselves from some possible potential infection or something the body does not want to enter the body. So by creating the mucus, it is like a thin layer that is protecting the body from entering something into the mucus membrane. So so there are some herbs and spices that we can use in getting rid of this mucus. Some of them are pepper, turmeric, ginger, garlic to some extent. Uh, people who are into sattvic food, they do not follow uh, garlic, but there are many alternatives to garlic. It could be It is just like ginger, it is a fantastic hot in potency spices. So this helps to the body to getting rid of the extra mucus in the body and also it improves your digestive process. So, these you could add it in your food, in your soup, in your water also, but not the garlic. Ginger, pepper, holy basil, which we call it as tulsi. All this could be added. And try to avoid refined white sugar as much as possible. Sugar is the greatest enemy of our immune system today. Like a historian's claim, in 10,000 BC, humanity ate 20 teaspoons of sugar a year and today we are eating 22 teaspoons per day in such a high extraordinary exponential intake of sugar that we have today and our physical activity has reduced our body tends to hold on to this excess sugar which will be a safe heaven for many germs to come and stay with us in fact the germs are coming and staying in us because it is helping us to dissolve this toxins which is created by this sugar in ayurveda we also call it as ama Most of the diseases that we are having is a creation of this ama. So if your body is having too much of ama or toxins, we are at the mercy of not just this virus, many viruses would come. There are billions of viruses that has come and gone. And this is not something new. But however, in this time, we have a virus that is spreading a little faster than we have seen. And even if you are positive, if you, even if you are tested positive, there is nothing to panic. Your body will improve and learn the met- way to fight this virus. Because our immunity learns with practice. If you see some of the boxing fights, once you will see one opponent completely trashes the, uh, another fighter. And then in the next game, the person who lost comes back and fights royally and kills the other person. Why? Because he learned the techniques. He knew what are his weak points. He knew why he was not able to do that. So, our immune system learns by fighting. So, if there is a flu, the body's immune system is getting better. For example, if somebody gets a chicken pox, they know that they will not get it again in their life because the body's immune system is equipped. We know how to handle this and the same is with the humanity today. Because this coronavirus happened, we will be better equipped next time how to handle with such a situation. We will learn how to kill this monster when it is little than letting it grow so big and that is what we learnt today and we will take health as our top priority. And some of the techniques for our anxiety. In Ayurveda, anxiety has or excess vata has to be relieved by getting into true wisdom, getting into true facts. And also changing your ability to understand what is true and what is wrong. Our, According to the Vedic science, our mind has a thing called as Tarka. Tarka is the way our mind functions. Tarka, in, if you translate it in English, it sounds like logic. Or our mind always wants to find the bridge between a cause and an effect. Unless it finds that, it will always go on finding some crazy analogy to find what is the thing that bridges this cause and this effect. For example, I have a friend, whenever we watch this cricket match, it's a sports we love in India. And whenever we watch India playing against some opponent, for example, Pakistan or Australia, the whole of India will be sitting and glued to the television and watching this game. And when we are watching this game, I have a friend, he always say, I have to sit in this corner, in this particular chair, in this particular position. And only if I sit like this, India is going to win. Because when he sat like that, three times India won. So he is thinking it is only because of him sitting in that posture, India is winning the match. That's because he is trying to connect. Because he sat like that and he saw the result India is winning. Three times it happened. So fourth time also it is going to happen. And unfortunately, the fourth time he did not sit there and India lost the match. So he is convinced even more. It is only because of his sitting posture in that particular posture, in that particular state, India is winning. It's like Ivan Pavlov's dog theory. I mean, there is a food, there is a bell and there is a dog. And there is a food, there is bell and there is dog. And the moment there is no food, only the bell and the dog starts salivating because it always associated bell and food to be the same. So we tend to associate uncertainty means danger. And that is what is going on today and the moment we start seeing something is uncertain, we are not able to control things, there is a danger coming and we should be anxious. Now let us understand, anxiety is like a scam. It is like a scam telling you if you pay this much you are going to get a lottery but in fact it is only going to put you into deeper trouble. There is no way anxiety is going to help us, just a temporary satisfaction. I am going to get prepared because of this I need to do. But anxiety doesn't let you do anything. So how to come out of this anxiety? I'll give you a story with this Tarka. In the ancient Vedic science, Tarka is of two types. Like the logic is of two types. One is Vitarka and Kutarka. The word Kutarka means limited thinking and khut- Vitarka means profound thinking. It is, I understand Maybe what I know is less, maybe there is something more to that than what I know about it. I am not going to restrict my past patterns, limit my thinking about what is going to happen. And Kutarka is, because my past was like that, I am going to see everything like that. So the story is about a monk. There was a monk. He was young, handsome. And all the people in his village would go and tell him, when are you getting married? You are getting old. And if you get old, you will be unlucky, and if you are unlucky, you will not get a wife or a girl to get married to. Oh, you are so unlucky that you are still not able to find a girl. And every day, when people would come and tell him, You are so unlucky that you are not able to find a woman, he would say, Maybe, may not be. And after some time, this monk managed to find a woman and he got married. And everyone in the village would go and go up to him and tell, you are so unlucky, even though you are getting old, you manage to find a beautiful woman and she is your wife and you have a beautiful family right now. You can start your family right now. You are so lucky again. And then to that he would say, maybe, may not be. And after some time, people would go on questioning him. My God, what happened? You both are getting old. When are you going to have kids? When the wife is getting old, if she is not able to bear a child, who will inherit all that you have created? You are so unlucky, you are still not able to have a baby. And he would say, Maybe, may not be. And then later, after a few months, the monk's wife got pregnant and she gave birth to a beautiful baby son. And everybody would go and tell him, Oh, even though you were growing old and she was getting old, you managed to have a beautiful, handsome baby boy. And then he would say, Maybe, may not be. And after some time, when his son was growing up, he was not able to ride a horse like his friends of his age. Whenever he got on the horse, he would fall down and everybody would go and tell him, oh, it's such a pity that your son is not able to ride a horse so well. You are so unlucky to have a son who is not able to have the talent to ride on the horse. And whenever he heard the word unlucky, he would say, maybe, may not be. And after some time, his son got on the horse and started riding the horse unfortunately he fell down and broke and fractured his leg and everybody would go and tell him it's such a pity you're so unlucky to have your son's leg fractured you're so unlucky again and for that he would say maybe may not be and while he was fractured and at home at bed rest the king of that place sent some soldiers to this village and told all the young boys you have to come back with us because Our kingdom is going on a war and we want all the young boys to join us to the army. And all the mothers were crying in deep tears. They don't know if their sons will come back alive or not. At that time, the son of this monk could not be a part of this army because his legs were fractured. And everybody would go and tell him, You are the most luckiest father, you could keep your son with yourself, even though it was just a fracture. You are so lucky, and he would say, Maybe, may not be. The story we need to understand. The monk was using vitarka, a profound thinking. He was not limited to judging every incident, okay, this is how it is. And the society was, the moment it went the way they wanted, they would say, Oh, it's so, you're so lucky. The moment it did not go the way they wanted, you're so unlucky. They came into a conclusion without giving the possibility or benefit of doubt. So the concept of vitarka is, if things are not going the way you planned, the the way you wanted, give it a benefit of doubt. Maybe something beautiful is going to emerge. Even if things don't appear the way it is right now, we don't know what the future is going to hold. So always ask this question, what else this could mean even though it is not going the way I want it? In that way, what all beautiful things this coronavirus is teaching us? In my experience, you know, in Sitaram Beach Retreat, I've had so many patients who are extraordinarily successful in their business and in their life, but when they got old, they would come and say, when I asked them, if you got a chance to go back in your life, what would you change in your life? Many of them said, yes, I am happy that I am successful in my business. I have enough money to do all the things that money could buy. But I really wish I spent more time with my family. Now they are grown up, I really miss them, I really miss those times. And even according to some research of people who are about to die, when they asked what would you do if you could go back in your life and change something, they said two things. One is, I wish I had relaxed more, which also means I wish I did not stress so much in life. I wish I did not put so much pressure on myself, this was the first thing. Second thing was again, it was nothing about what they achieved or what they were able to make, it was all about. I wish I spent more time with the people who really cared for me. So are you doing this? This is the best time. Many people said, when I asked them, did you manage to read that book? Did you manage to do something or learn something new? They said, oh, I never had time. I never had time. So this coronavirus is giving more time than any other time in the history of mankind. And it is teaching us there is more to life than just money and your day-to-day routine that you go and work and get money and put up your bank account there is much more than that no matter how much money you have if you are in the habit of using toilet papers toilet paper will mean more than whatever money you have all the essentials that are basic for a comfortable living this is more important today we are understanding how much we took things for granted the freedom of movement all the food that could come to us, all the entertainments that we used to have, how beautiful it was in our life. And for sure, we are going to overcome this and the life is going to come back. And the richest man is not about how much he has or how much wealth he has or how much he possesses. The richest man is someone who is able to appreciate the true value of what he has. No matter how much you have, if you are not able to appreciate the value of what you have, You are still a poor person. So the question is, do we want to be rich in life? Learn to appreciate the true value of what you have. If you still have a family next to you, if you are having good internet, if you have hot water, of course you have internet. Whoever is listening to this without internet, you will not be able to listen to it. We are above 80% of the planet's humanities. This is a beautiful time to go inward, to reflect. Thank you. For those of you who are in need of an online consultation, an Ayurvedic consultation or checkup, feel free to write to me in my Instagram DM, Vignesh Devraj. Also, also you can check into my website, sitaramretreat.com.